If you're going to do it, do it well. Like if you're going to be in a deficit, commit to being in a fucking deficit and do it well. Because if you don't and you're just kind of dicking around, you're not going to see those results. If you're not being like flat out, I'm going to say it again. If you're not fucking being consistent, you're not going to fucking see results. Plain and simple. I love everybody listening to this, but sometimes we need a little bit of tough love. And if you are not paying attention to your consistency, if you are not paying attention to what you're tracking, you know, if you're kind of just tracking mindlessly, you know, you don't know where you're actually at. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. You've probably all heard if you're in a calorie deficit and you're not losing fat, you're not in a calorie deficit, which is true. But that in and of itself, I don't think is a super helpful statement. So we're going to dive into that today and go over some of the reasons you may not actually be in a calorie deficit, even though you might think you are. First of all, first things first, of course, you got to be taking all the data. How often do we see it, Brooke? Well, nothing's happening when in fact you don't know that nothing's happening because you're only looking at the scale. Yeah. So I think that's like the first point when you're taking all of the data, you're not just looking at the scale, you're looking at your measurements, you're looking at your progress pictures, you're looking at your consistency. A lot of people fail to track their consistency. The reason why tracking consistency is so important is because that the more consistent you are, the more you're going to see results. So tracking your consistency, making sure that, you know, paying attention to your energy levels is also really important. Because a lot of people, they'll only rely on the scale, but they dismiss the fact that they're feeling physically better. Mm-hmm. It's feeling better, more energy, less bloated, clothes are fitting differently, measurements are changing. All of this stuff matters, folks. Yeah, it's not just about the scale. It's not mm-hmm. just about the scale. It's not just about how quickly you can get to your quote unquote finish line or your goal. Like there's there's so much that goes into taking the data. And not only do you need to take all of the data, but you also have to be patient. I think a lot of people are so used to, especially yo-yo dieters, fad dieters, they're so used to seeing weight drop very, very quickly rather than what it's like to do things in a way that is a sustainable, realistic manner. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're sold all the time, right? Is quick, crazy, fast, drastic, amazing. Like, wow. I mean, The Biggest Loser is a perfect case study for this. How many of us grew up with that? Yeah. (laughs) And it's an amazing case study. And it's a very, it was a very public case study of like, this is what happens when you do drastic things for drastic results. You can lose a lot of weight real fast, but look at these people six, seven years later. Yeah. Most of them have gained it all back and more. And it's really sad. But the reason is because they did crazy things for crazy results instead of doing it sustainably. It's a show. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's supposed to wow you. And it does. And we've all been fucked over by that. And that's slightly off, off topic. But just had to get that out there, apparently. No, it's very true. Because some people don't understand that you might not see, if you're only paying attention to the scale, 
people might not understand it'll take one, two, or three weeks and not see any weight loss. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't understand that like that's normal. That's very normal. You know, when you're very first beginning and you're still in the learning phases, especially if you're trying to track your nutrition, like that makes it really challenging because you're having to get the hang of doing something new. You're trying to implement a new habit and you don't just do it for one week and then you're a pro. You have to do it over a period <laughs> amount of time. Over a period amount of time? I get it. It makes sense to me. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I didn't drink coffee this morning. But yeah, you have to wait over a period of time to be able to see those results. And it might not be reflected in the scale. If you're strength training and you're new to strength training and whatnot, you might be in that in-between process of recompositioning. Yeah. So some of the reasons that you may think you're in a calorie deficit and you're actually not. The first one I want to go over is overestimating your activity on TDEE calculators. Yes. This can be a little tricky for some people. And first of all, you have to understand that any of these calculators, no matter where you get them, are an estimation based off of equations. They're not individual. They're not nuanced, which is why when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I like to figure it out with them, for them, depending on the person, even starting in maintenance before we even go into calorie deficit territory, depending. But it's not going to be individual. Some, some people tend to take it as gospel. And then things might not be changing. But one of the, the biggest reasons is overestimating your activity. We are, there was a study a while ago with dietitians, actually. So people who are well aware of food and exercise, where they overestimated their daily movement by about 50% and underestimated their intake, their calorie intake by about 50%. That's a huge margin. By and large, us humans are terrible at estimating that. So when you're putting your information in these TDEE calculators, I'm going to run down a quick list. Sedentary is you work a desk job with little or no exercise. Lightly active, you work a job with light physical demands, or you work a desk job and perform light exercise at a level of a brisk walk for about 30 minutes a day, three to five times a week. That, I think is where probably I'd say the majority of people are, um, unless you're like a construction worker, a road worker, that kind of thing. Moderately active, you work a moderately physically demanding job, such as a construction worker, or you work a desk job and engage in moderate exercise for one hour per day, three to five times per week. Now, these, are not, these aren't hard rules. These are just guidelines. But it's important because our movement does matter. Obviously, the purpose of movement is not to burn as many calories as possible, but it's fact that movement does burn some calories. So it does matter. It's just being aware of that slippery slope of like burning more to eat more, etc. Now, very active. You work a consistently physically demanding job, such as an agricultural worker, or you work a desk job and engage in intense exercise for one hour per day or moderate exercise for two hours per day, five to seven times a week. Not a ton of gen pop people are that. No, not at all. Extra active, you work an extremely physically demanding job, such as a professional athlete, <laughs> athlete, competitive cyclist or fitness professional, or you engage in intense exercise for at least two hours per day. So we're talking like elite CrossFitter types and gen pop is not that. So this stuff matters. 
A lot of people overestimate TDEE. I'd be willing to bet you listeners are lightly active or moderately active. And again, this is just a guesstimate, right? It's not the Bible. It's not the hard and fast rule. You have to give it time to see if it is more or less accurate. And at the same time, you got to be a little bit accurate in your input. And by a little bit, I mean as accurate as you can honestly get. Most definitely. And try not to overthink it either. Over yeah. Overthinking the process definitely makes it a little bit more challenging because you're almost too hyper-focused on your goal. Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking at the wrong avenue. What we need to be focused on when it comes to fat loss is nutrition. So trying to get that TDEE as close to accurate as possible is going to be really, really helpful to determine what your deficit calories are. Same with your maintenance calories. So just guessing is not going to be helpful. Really trying to get as accurately as you can is going to be the most helpful. Yeah, but ultimately not stressing about it, right? We are all experiments. We've talked about being our own science experiments. That's We can experiment. We can give it enough time and then also tweak it if it's not quite right. Exactly. Yeah. One thing that could be affecting your calorie deficit is letting the weekends get out of hand. Been there, done that. Yeah, and not having a strategy or a plan to deal with your weekends. A lot of people that I know don't track on the weekends. Like some of, you know, I love all my clients, but it's important to make sure that you're treating your weekends like your weekdays and you're following through with what you say you're going to do by tracking as accurately and as consistently as possible. If you're not noticing any progress and you're like, oh, I don't fucking know why I'm not losing any weight. Look at your weekends. Are you tracking on the weekends? If you're not tracking on the weekends, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you tracking your alcohol on your weekends? Alcohol, cheat days too, you know, trying, Mm. oh, well, on Sunday, I'm going to have a cheat day because I was good all week. Like that's not, that's not helpful. Eating with reckless abandon on the weekends because it adds up. It's true. No one meal or one day will ever make or break anything. But I mean, fact of the matter is you can undo all of the hard work you've done during the week, on the weekend, if you're not paying attention or if you're treating it like a cheat day. So yeah, you have to have structure. You have to approach it with a plan. Even if that means sitting down on Thursday with your kids or your spouse or your partner and figuring out, or yourself, if you're single, figuring out what's going down, what you're going to eat, where you're going to eat, you know, leaving it up for flexibility because things change. But having some kind of idea of what you're doing, even if it's a specific plan for that specific weekend. One thing that I do when I'm in a calorie deficit is I have, I allow myself an untracked meal, sometimes even an untracked day. And this is a nice like psychological break from the tracking. And it doesn't mean that I'm going balls to the wall. It just means that I'm eating same or similar things. I'm just not like weighing it and measuring it and like portioning it out. And that's a nice little psychological reprieve that I like to implement. And I'm sure, Iris, like when you do that, when you have like an untracked meal or an untracked day, you're able to stay aligned with your goals because you're so accurate at tracking and you're so consistent with tracking, you can eyeball what four ounces of protein looks like. You can probably eyeball, you know, whether or not your carb portion is a little bit bigger or a little bit less. 
you begin when you're tracking accurately and consistently in a deficit, that is an opportunity for you to learn. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people forget about that. A lot of people forget that you need to be mindful while you're tracking. You need to look at how big a portion size is and pay attention to that instead of tracking. And then when you have one day or a week where you don't track, everything goes to shit. Just a fuck it fest. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I'm sure when you have that untracked meal or that untracked day, you're able to estimate how much is on your plate because you have gotten good at weighing and measuring your food and knowing what an actual portion size looks like. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget to do because I've had to work with people where we've had to talk and learn about things like bright lines, where you're having to set boundaries with yourself to make sure that you stay within that to keep you moving towards your goals. Yeah, because ultimately, even if the untracked meal isn't like perfectly exactly what it would be if it was tracked, it doesn't matter because over the average of the week, I'm still adhering to what I need to do for my goal, right? I'm still overall in a calorie deficit. It's mm-hmm. not like just because I'm not tracking it, I see this a lot. Just because I'm not tracking it, it doesn't matter, right? Because if I don't track it, it didn't happen. Then <laughs> you listening to this, like, and if you do that, just know, like, we see you. You can't bullshit a bullshitter because I used to do that. I used to be like, well, uh-huh. if, well, if I don't track it, I didn't eat it. The calories don't count. Like, think about that. Mm-hmm. If it were your finances. And you're like, you know, I'm just going to schedule a vacation, but I'm going to pay in cash. So I'm not losing any money. It's kind of the same thing. So making sure that you are tracking, you know, and and let me tell you guys, if you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, okay, like that makes sense. All those little bites, licks and tastes of food that you do, you know, you walk by, you see your your beautiful little container of peanut butter and you're like, I'm just going to have a scoop. That fucking counts. Mm-hmm. Taking a bite of your kids or finishing your kid's meal, that fucking counts. Like everything that you put in your body while you're in a calorie deficit, well, even when you're not in a deficit, everything that you put in your body more than likely has calories in it. And those calories will add up if you're not tracking those. And I know it sounds super tedious, but like I know personally when I'm in a deficit, I stop with the bites, licks and tastes because I know they add up. And so don't try to fool yourself into thinking that calories don't count if you're not tracking them because that is definitely not true. It's just like your finances, you know, just because you don't balance your checkbook doesn't mean the money's not there or is there. So like just understanding that your calories are like a budget. And if you're spending frivolously every here and there, that's going to catch up with you. Finishing your kids' plates. Oh boy. Well, I'm a mom. (laughs) I'm a mom to a son that loves goldfish crackers that loves Mm. really what all kids love, higher calorie, less nutritious foods. And uh, if you're making dinner and your kid doesn't eat, and if you're packing lunches and your kid doesn't eat all their food, that does not mean that you have to finish it. I know, I know it's really, really hard for some people because of the way that they grew up and are conditioned to throw away food. A lot of people don't like to throw away food. So they use their stomachs and their mouths as, I don't want to say trash can, but they they use that as, I'm going to save food by eating it. And 
that can really throw you off. Like, for example, macaroni and cheese is a great example because this happened literally the other day. Micah wanted macaroni and cheese. He ate maybe five bites of it and was like full. And he signed all done. And I'm like, damn, that macaroni and cheese looks good. I want to eat it. But I also know that it's 220 calories per serving. And I'm in a calorie deficit right now. And I'm not going to sacrifice my calorie budget because he chose not to eat his food. So what what can you do in that situation? Easy. Save it for later. Like that's what I do with my son. I will put it in like a little Tupperware. I'll put it in the fridge. And then if he gets hungry later, I pull it back out and he can eat that. You know, and if you're like, well, my kid's picky. Da, da, da. If, if they're hungry enough, they will eat it. So that's just one part of being a parent is, you know, yeah, you do want to finish your kid's food. You know, right now times it's, it's, times financially for a lot of people, it's really difficult, but you do not have to be a human wastebasket. You don't have to. Not saying that you listeners are, but just for the analogy purposes of throwing away food, I want to use that analogy. But when your kids are eating, set an example for them. Like set a good example, you know, have a starter salad, have you know, at dinner, have vegetables on their plate for dinner, because then when they don't finish your their food, you can eat those vegetables. You can eat that side salad, you know, like put healthier options into your meal planning, because then if you really, really don't want to throw away or waste food, you can eat that. But make sure you track it. Yeah, leftovers are real, guys. That's a thing I see a lot as well. I just don't want to waste food. But if you think about it, it's a waste to eat it anyway because your body doesn't need it. Yeah. Both of it is a waste. So pick the one that is slightly less. And if that's throwing it away, it's throwing it away. But also you can you can put it in the fridge for later. Both are options. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I do if my son doesn't finish his food. Like I will put it in like a little Tupperware and put it in the fridge and give it to him later. And for those listening, like my son, he uh, he has autism. So he's very particular about the foods that he likes. But you are the one that goes grocery shopping. You are the one that brings the food in the house. So make sure you're bringing in food that is nutritious. Make sure you're bringing in food that is whole, minimally processed. You know, it's okay to have goldfish crackers or macaroni and cheese every once in a while. But you know, setting that example for your kids is going to help them make healthier decisions. That way, when they don't finish their food and you decide, you know what, I'm still a little hungry, I'm going to eat their food, you're eating more nutritious foods. Or just put it in the fucking fridge. Yeah. That's what I do. I mainly put it in the fridge. The thing about tracking, and we've talked about this before, but I just want to mention it again quickly, is tracking is just an awareness tool unless you turn it into something else right? It's not a log of like, look at all this. Look at what I did. Look how terrible I am. Look at how much I have to exercise now. Unless you turn it into that. It's an awareness building tool and it's an accountability building tool. And I tell people like, I don't care if you're going to go over your calories, but I want you to track it anyway. Because first of all, one thing I see, and I don't know if you see this, Brooke, too, is that sometimes people think they've absolutely blown it when they really haven't. But they don't know because they didn't track it. So they're just assuming that they've, quote unquote, failed when in reality, they're, they're I mean, they're perfectly fine. <laughs> they just didn't track it. And then, you know, it all messes in their brain. 
Yeah. And that definitely is something that I've seen. Like they didn't track it. They had a little small piece of chocolate and they're like, oh fuck, I ruined everything. Mm-hmm. When it was like 50 calories. Yeah. And, and it, <laughs> it's like nothing. And like the point is, is like you haven't ruined everything. Now, do you want to make that a consistent habit? No, of course not. But if you're going to do it, do it well. Like If you're going to be in a deficit, commit to being in a fucking deficit and do it well. Because if you don't, and you're just kind of dicking around, you're not going to see those results. If you're not being con- like flat out, I'm going to say it again. If you're not fucking being consistent, you're not going to fucking see results. Plain and simple. I love everybody listening to this, but sometimes we need a little bit of tough love. And if you are not paying attention to your consistency, if you are not paying attention to what you're tracking, you know, if you're kind of just tracking mindlessly, you know, you don't know where you're actually at. So it's important to be consistent, track your consistency and make sure that you're logging shit accurately and don't fucking bullshit yourself into things like bites. Oh, well, it's just a bite. Oh, well, it's just a lick. Oh, it's just a taste. Like that stuff does count. And it's something that I think everybody needs to be a little bit more aware of. Inaccurate tracking is a big one. Not weighing and measuring in grams using cups or tablespoons, which, you know, it's not the worst. It's something, but it's super not accurate because you can really pile it on there. You can shove a lot of pasta into a cup. (laughs) Sure can. (laughs) How do we know? We've done it. We done did it. Yeah. But then that cup can be wildly different from just kind of tossing it in there or really smashing it down. So it matters. And it's not like you have to be anal about all this stuff. But like Brooke said, if you're going to do it, do it well. And we talk about this weighing and measuring in grams all the time because this is a hangup that a lot of people have. And it's that hurdle of like, ugh, this seems really tedious. And it probably will be at first, just going to be real. But with time and practice and getting used to it, it gets less tedious and then you're more accurate and then you're seeing more results and then you're happier with yourself because you're actually doing the thing. Exactly. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize when you're tracking with measuring cups, measuring spoons, you're not really learning anything. You're not really learning anything. Like I know that 32 grams of peanut butter is a serving size. That's roughly 190 to 210 calories, give or take, depending on the brand. A lot of people are like, wow, how do you know that off the top of your head? Well, when you track practice (laughs) and you practice, exactly. It's making sure that you're getting the hang of it. Because the goal is here, like to those of you listening, I can already probably sense a little bit of like apprehension towards calorie tracking, which, you know, it's not the only way to lose weight or lose body fat. That's for sure. Like it's not the only way but it is the most accurate way. So really making sure like the goal is to not track forever. And I think that's where people get hung up is I'm supposed to do this every single day. Like, yeah, but if you're practicing paying attention and being aware of what an actual serving size looks like while you're weighing and measuring your food, while you're paying attention to your hunger and fullness cues while you're eating your food and like not eating with distractions, making sure that you're sitting down when you eat, There's a lot of things that you can learn to make the transition from tracking calories to not tracking calories a whole lot easier. Because again, like I said, like it's not the only way to lose body fat tracking calories, but again, it is the most accurate. And if that's what you want to do and 
you want the most accurate results, then you need to track honestly, you need to track consistently, and you need to track accurately. Yeah, you're right that it's not the only way. It's only one tool in the box. It is the most accurate way. But just to acknowledge that there are ways to monitor your intake without tracking calories. You know, the hand portion method we can go over at some point on the show. But I like tracking. I like that data. And even I will go for stretches without tracking. And it's not all lost because practice and time and awareness and intentional practice and awareness and time, I can do that and I can eyeball and it's all right. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of people, they get a little bit apprehensive with, you know, how am I going to track everything forever? And that's the thing is like, you're you're not tracking everything forever. Tracking again, it's like, it is a tool that you use to try to get the job done. That's like trying to use a screwdriver when you really need an electric drill, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to to realize, you know, not everybody is the same in regards to what their deficit looks like. However, being in a calorie deficit, that is how you lose body fat, period. Mm-hmm. Do you, when you're in a deficit, is there anything you don't track? Personally, I just don't track zero calorie beverages. That's really the only thing I don't track. Like, even if I get like a sugar-free Red Bull and there's 10 calories in it, I'm tracking that. It has calories mm-hmm. in it. I think it's also important to note that when you're cooking food, make sure that you're also paying attention to oils, butters, mm. things like that, because those calories still count as well. But as far as me, like I do track those as well. So I do track the oil. I do track the butters. And I try not to overcomplicate it. You know, I'll weigh out the grams of oil that I need, put it in the pan. That's it. A lot of people get really hung up in that. Like, well, I don't want to have to track oil. I just want to put it in the pan. Like, it's really not that hard. It's just a small extra step. I track butter because I know myself well enough to know that I'm bad at eyeballing butter. But I haven't tracked oil in a while. And I will say that is because I have tracked it so long that I, I can tell you exactly how much a teaspoon of oil is. And every once in a while, I'll test myself and I'm like, yeah, mama still got it. I know exactly what a teaspoon of oil is. But that is something that people ask about. Like, do I, does this count? Yes, it counts. Dressings, oils, butters, bites, licks, and tastes, like Brooke said. It, all those little things, it matters. It adds up. And pay attention to your condiments, ladies and gentlemen, because a good example is I didn't realize this when I bought it. I bought the Buffalo Wild Wing spicy garlic sauce to put on my meal Mm. prep chicken. And I looked at the back. I'm like, holy fuck. Two (laughs) tablespoons of this was like a hundred and something calories. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to half that. And I'm going to add a little bit of zero calorie Frank's Buffalo Wing sauce in here too to make it a little thicker. But what people don't understand is like your condiments also have calories, your barbecue sauce, your ketchup, your tartar sauce. Why did it why did I say tartar sauce? I don't know. I don't even use tartar sauce, <laughs> but it just came to me. But like things like that you want to track. Now, I don't track mustard. Yeah, I don't either. I don't track mustard. I get Frank's buffalo wing sauce and that's zero calories. So really condiments, beverages, I I don't usually track, but I also make sure that I'm reading the fucking labels. Mm -hmm. It's really important when you're in a deficit, if you're in the grocery store and you look and you're like, oh, 
I'm going to use tartar sauce now because it's funny. Oh, look at that. There's tartar sauce. I'm going to put that in the cart because a lot of people don't think about the calories in the condiments. So turning it around, looking, seeing how many calories are in it. Now, that's not to say don't ever eat anything with calories in it, like condiments and whatnot, but make sure that you track it if you do. Yeah. And I will also say like, you don't need to drown your food in condiments for the flavor or oil. You don't need to drown it in oil for the effect and the flavor of oil. American cuisine especially is super duper oily and condiment heavy and it's not necessary. And don't get me wrong, I love a big juicy garlic aioli burger more than anybody else in the world probably. But you know, when you're in a deficit, this stuff matters, which I think brings me to the next one is is eating out. Oh, it is really yeah. hard to accurately track calories when you're eating out. It's not that you can't ever eat out. That's not the point at all. It's just how much, how often. And being aware that we talked about this with Susan Niebergall in our episode is you don't know if the line cook is being super heavy handed with the oil or not. You don't know exactly, you know, there's an allowance for irregularities in the calorie content and calorie counts on menus because humans are humans. They you do different things in different quantities and that's okay. If you're eating out all the time, that is something to consider. Now you can go for things like grilled proteins and steamed vegetables swapping fries for a burger with, you know, a bun, etc. There's little tips and tricks like that. But the fact of the matter is, it's not going to be that accurate. So it's not that you can never eat out. It's just how much and how often. For a lot of my clients, that is actually like, I had someone that was like, oh my God, I realized that I went to go get a salad at this restaurant and I looked at how many calories and it was the same as a burger and fries. And I'm like, Mm-hmm. So get what you want. Like get, if you want that burger and fries and you're like, hey, looking at your calories, sure, the salad might have fiber and micronutrients and things like that. But I get people that get hung up on salads so much. They don't realize there's other options out there. You know, seafood is a great one. Shrimp is super high in protein and it's practically all protein. Yeah. Underrated. That's my snack for later today. Oh, yeah. Shrimp and cocktail sauce. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Jealous. <laughs> Fuck, I'm jealous. I go to freaking town on some cocktail sauce. Let me tell you. So bomb. But yeah, like you shouldn't be going out to eat three to four times a week. I've had people too in the past where they've been going out to eat seven plus times and Mm. just cutting that in half, just cutting your frequency of going out to eat in half. I can almost guarantee you're going to see results. Mm-hmm. If you decide to cook at home and weigh and measure everything accurately, I can almost guarantee that you're going to see better results and you're going to be a lot more mindful about what's going in your body because you don't know what they're using. As Ira said, you don't know if the cook is being heavy handed with oils or condiments. That's really important to pay attention to. Yeah. And again, it's not a bad thing to go out to eat and enjoy it. That's not the point. It's just when you're in a calorie deficit, naturally have less calories to spend. And it's just about maximizing your time, right? You don't want to be in a calorie deficit forever. Another thing that I see is food amnesia, right? So you're not planning ahead. You're not pre-logging. You're just kind of living your life. And then you're trying to remember at the end of the day and log afterwards. And going back to that study, generally, we're bad at that. (laughs) 
(laughs) We think we're eating less than we are and we think we're moving more than we are. So implementing some pre-logging strategies. Yeah. And it's very easy to do that. It's very easy to Mm -hmm. do that. Like on, I do it usually on Sundays. Like I know I'm going to have the same breakfast every fucking morning. So I'm going to enter it in each day. I'm just going to copy that meal to each day of the week. And I do the same things for lunch. You know, I do the same thing for lunch because it's so much easier. It takes the guesswork out. And what I hear from my clients is that they feel a whole lot better not being on their fucking phone all the time entering food. So yeah, standardize, standardize your meals, have some of them nailed down and unlock lunches or breakfasts or dinners, standardize. It's okay to eat repeat meals. Exactly. Repeat meals do not mean that they're boring and tasteless. Make sure you're planning ahead. And, you know, to those that are out there thinking, oh, well, fuck, like, I have to track accurately. I have to be consistent. Like, this sounds hard. Like, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant because it's something that's been on my, like, weighing heavily on me lately. Like, it is going to be fucking hard. If it was easy, I'd be out of a fucking job. If it were easy, (laughs) if it were easy, like, if it was easy, we'd all be shredded. Exactly. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take effort on your part. It's going to take you taking action in order to see results. And then guess what? Once you start seeing results, you're going to be motivated to keep doing what you're doing because you want to see more results. So I really struggle with people saying like, oh, well, it's time consuming. Oh, well, it's hard. Like, yeah, but you need to choose your hard. Like, do you want to stay where you're currently at living the lifestyle that you live? Probably not. Not if you've hired a coach, not if you're listening to this podcast. Like you obviously want Mm -hmm. something more for yourself. You obviously have goals that you're trying to achieve, but like you need to choose your heart. It's going to be hard to stay where you're at and to be unhappy with what like the current situation that you're in. And it's going to be fucking hard to pre-log your food. It's going to be hard to start prepping your food. It's going to be hard to start weighing and measuring your food. If it were not hard, everybody would be doing it. The the fact of the matter is, is like, you have to choose which hard that you want because you know what? Like it is very, very hard to stay where you're at, but it's also hard to get to where you want to be. If you want to be the best version of yourself, you need to start doing those things that that person does now in order to get there. You have to build the habits now in order to be the person that wakes up in the morning and makes their breakfast and does all this shit, right? You have to make sure that like you're taking your calorie deficit seriously and understand that it's not going to be a fucking walk in the park. Yeah. Calorie deficit is hard, guys. It is hard. And there are ways to make it suck less and there are ways to make it more sustainable for yourself. But I mean... It sucks. (laughs) Yeah. You might as well maximize your time and make the most of it so you're not freaking trying to be in a calorie deficit for your entire life. Like, get in, knock it out of the park, get out, get back into maintenance, live your life, put on some muscle, enjoy yourself. It really gets me because a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, if you want to be the best version of yourself, you have to do the, like, you have to do what that version of yourself does. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. Yeah. This kind of goes a little off topic to a calorie deficit, but like when people start strength training and they're like, well, how, how long do I have to do this in order to get quote unquote toned or more muscular? When can I stop? Like, here's the deal. 
You don't stop forever, baby. <laughs> it is forever. That's why it is so important to make sure that you're instilling habits that are realistic and sustainable. If you're like, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to do cardio three times a week for one hour. Like, are you going to do that forever? I'm not. I'm f- fuck that. I'm not. I'm not doing that either. But like, I think it's so important for people to understand that like you need to make realistic changes and you're not. And actually, since we're on this topic, I really feel like it's important to say, don't add your calories back from when you're exercising. If you're burning calories and you look at your little watch and it says you burned 500 calories, don't you dare put that on my fitness pal or lose it or whatever tracking app you got and think you have 500 extra calories to eat because you don't. And fitness watches, Fitbits, Apple watches, they, they're wildly inconsistent and inaccurate. Yeah. Even the, the quote unquote best, most expensive ones. <laughs> and don't even get me started on the treadmill at the gym or the, the stationary bike. How the hell does it know? It doesn't. It's, it's a wild guess. It is a wild guess. And studies have shown people, there have been studies on this. You cannot know how many calories you're burning unless you're in a lab hooked up to sensors like 24-7. You don't know. It is such a wild card. Somebody asked me recently if that was a, a good metric to know if they're in a calorie deficit. And I told her, I was like, actually, that's one of the worst ones. Yeah. Because you don't know. It's so inaccurate. And it's so much easier, frankly, so much more sustainable, so much more accurate to try to monitor and manage the energy you're taking in versus the energy you're taking out. And again, movement does matter if you're stationary and sedentary, except for your half hour in the gym or whatever it is. We need to talk about steps. We need to talk about NEAT. We need to talk about adding in daily movement. But If you're basing your calorie intake on the watch, on the treadmill, on the stationary bike, on your Peloton, I don't know if they have calorie counts or whatever, but it's just not going to set you up for success. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people focus on using exercise as the driver of the fat loss car Mm -hmm. instead of the nutrition. Like point blank period, your nutrition is what's going to help you with losing body fat. Movement is for your health. Movement is for like you being a healthy human being and getting stronger and becoming like having your body become more resilient. That is what movement is for. It's to get stronger. It's to, you know, and it makes you feel good. It's important yeah, to move. de-stress. Like it's, yeah. it's very important to move. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when you're using exercise to try to gauge your your body fat loss, that's only 5 to 10% of your daily energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. Only 5 to 10%. Even that high intensity, high output cardio, it's, it's just not as much as everybody wants to think it is. No, not at all. Actually, you're neat, which is your steps, your fidgeting, you're walking around, cleaning the house. You're neat. That makes up more of a percentage of your total daily energy expenditure then your actual structured exercise activity. Now, that's not to say don't exercise, but it's for you to be aware to get off of your butt and just go walk around, you know, park farther away at the grocery store. When you're on the phone with somebody, pace around the house, you know, take the stairs instead of an elevator. There's so many things that you can do to make movement a part of your life that are so simple and so beneficial for your health and your body that a lot of people don't take time to realize because. Punishing yourself with exercise 
for something that you ate is not what we're fucking here for on the Tater Talks podcast. Oh, fuck no. No way. I actually, so I'm the main grocery shopper in the house and I actually had to run to the store with my husband in the car a couple weeks ago. And I always park at the far end of the parking lot because it's just what I do now. (laughs) And there were so many spots open and I was just like inching along in the parking lot. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you all the way over here? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just what I do. It's just part of my life now at the gym, at the grocery store and like at the mall, everywhere. It adds up. It adds up. It really does. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize how much it adds up. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, you know, your nutrition is going to come first. Your nutrition is going to come first. Then it's your exercise. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, crap, I've been doing things wrong. It's totally fine. Just switch it up. We all do everything wrong. Yeah. (laughs) At first. Just switch it up. Just switch it up. Yeah. But the bottom line is, if you're not losing fat, and I specify fat because, again, I want to circle back. (laughs) Corporate speak, I want to circle back to the beginning of this conversation. If you're not taking all of the data, including pictures, including clothes fitting, including the scale, including measurements, you cannot say that nothing's happening. You're not allowed. not going to allow it because you don't know for sure. So if you're taking all the data and you're not losing fat, it comes down to not being in a calorie deficit. Not being in a deficit and not being consistent. I know that people think Monday through Friday, got to be consistent. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal, you guys. Like your weekend makes up 30% of your week. 30%. That's a chunk. That that is a chunk. And when your weekend makes up 30% of the week and you are going out to eat a lot, you are, you know, you're more sedentary than usual, you know, or you're not tracking over the weekend. Like I don't want to hear that you're upset with your results if you're not following through every single fucking day. Mm-hmm. What is that saying? You can't expect A plus results with a C plus effort. Exactly. You can't afford that. And that's the thing is like, if you want to lose weight realistically and sustainably, you need at least 80% consistency. Mm-hmm. You need at least 80% consistency. And if you are going off the rails every weekend or you're eating out too much or you're you know, not tracking on the weekends, you're only hitting 70%. Mm-hmm. And the leaner you are, you might need more than 80%. Because the leaner you are, the harder it is to lose. And the leaner you are, we might be getting into skinny fat territory here, which I think is a, a topic for another time. But- The answer to everything is not fat loss. Think about whether or not it's the time we talk about that. I feel like ad nauseum because it's true. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time and your reviews and your messages and all of that. And your topic suggestions too, because we talk about what people need and want to hear. And if there's something in particular you want us to jam on, just let us know. Please let us know. We we love to jam with you guys. Yeah. Everybody have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you later. Same time, same place. Hey, love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice.